0: Hi everyone, this is Matt Price, one of the hosts for the longest-running Dynasty-focused podcast on the planet, the DLF Dynasty Podcast. Each week, we'll bring you an episode packed with relevant and actionable Dynasty information that you can use to help win your league. When I'm in the host chair, we might even play a game or two. We are always open to topic suggestions, so if there's something you'd like to hear us discuss, please let us know. Thanks for listening. Hey, welcome back to the Dynasty Crossroads. My name is Peter Howard, at PAHowdy on Twitter. This is a member of the DLF family of podcasts. I took last week off, basically. Uh, we're just going to call this the next week's podcast, I guess. But I've been trying to get ready for it all week. Um, and the reason is I got pretty deep into my breakout research again and just kept thinking that I could do better at it before I recorded the podcast. And then I was a week late on both the article that I've uh, told patrons I was going to write up for them and this podcast. And, uh, yeah, we're just going to go. We're going to talk about potential breakouts for 2022 in theory um, and also some just interesting things to know about who's more likely to break out or do better than we have seen before previously and um, for fantasy football and next season let's let's just finally do it <laughs>
1: do you have the time
0: to Listen to me grind Take
1: down the film watchers And nerds all at once I am one of those Skeptical of status quo and to the bone No doubt about it Sometimes I grind my exhale sheets Sometimes pour cold water on heat
0: so here's my first fun fact about breakouts. They're actually incredibly important, not just in terms of positive expected value because we draft them late and they end up finishing higher, and but because a lot of breakouts happen. This is something that's been playing in the back of my mind since Tom Kissenberry, uh mentioned that we over-exaggerate proven producers and I think he's wrong but also right. Um, and one of the things my common breakout table showed me almost as soon as I built it in my NFL database is we see pretty much every type of breakout every season and that struck me as interesting as well. So let me put it to you this way because I think this is an actionable and interesting way of saying all of that. Um... Top 12 running backs and wide receivers, so wide receivers and running backs are finished inside the top 12 in overall season-long numbers, so the most valuable for the entire season, top 12 running backs and wide receivers, and um, about 50% of them finish inside the top 12 the following season. Now, that's about... So we have some extra percentages one way or the other. But it's about 50% year over year. And that's most incredibly important because it's better than any hit rate group for a rookie or most other hit groups. Like over the majority of players actually repeating inside the top 12 is actually really interesting in terms of fantasy and why proven producers are good. However, around 40% of top 12 players on average year over year are actually breakouts. Now, what that means is that there's about 10% of players inside the top 12 at both positions. They actually represent players that haven't been previously productive to that level before, but are suddenly in any given random season. Now, if you like real numbers instead of the fake percentage numbers, that means about one to two players every season are actually returning productive players. So if you want to think about the running back position this year and what we commonly think in both Redraft and Dynasty ranks right now, it's that CMC and Saquon Barkley are going to come back to the top 12 this year. And that's your two. You don't get more than that. I mean, Leonard Fournette was a top 12 running back last year, so you don't have to give up on him. But if you're holding out any hope of any other running back, then you either need to replace them, just to respect the average, with CMC or Saquon Barkley, or accept that they are less likely to finish inside the top 12 again, even though they've done it before previously. But that's also true at wide receiver, and I think we hold out hope for that kind of thing for a lot longer. So if you're rostering DeAndre Hopkins or Michael Thomas right now, in order to get back inside the top 12 after having missed last year, they'd have to be one of those one or two players every year that returns to a previous level of production um, inside the top 12 that didn't do it the year before. It's not that that is impossible, it's that, on average, that should be less expected than a breakout. Now, breakouts are something we heavily focus on in fantasy, probably a little bit too much, but it is interesting to think about them being a larger majority group in any given random season than previously productive players returning to their previous levels of production um, in any given random season. Now, any given random season is fun, but something I also ended up digging into was How have we been doing lately? Because this is something we know that regresses up and down in terms of how accurate we are. And also what happens in one season if it happens at too high of a rate. Just in terms of career year and breakout should regress the following season. And what I found um, was that we have been hitting relatively hard on young wide receiver breakouts. This is something that goes together well with the research we did for the 2022 What to Expect episode last time I was here. In that we saw... What we should expect for 2022 is ultimately the wide receivers who have just proven to be productive relatively recently should continue to be productive, whereas older running backs still probably had a couple of years left in the tank, both in terms of um, draft class breakout arc, if you want to look through the 2010 and 2017 running back draft classes in terms of percentage of top 12 seasons and whereas wide receivers were aging out so the classes from 2013 to 2015 not that they're going to be less good but we're really seeing the tail end of that era of wide receivers coming to an end in terms of what's typically happened previously in the NFL which puts me in the awkward position of saying team old guy is kind of rocky if you're in dynasty right now it's kind of time to sell a year early rather than a year late, unless, of course, you're in that position where, and you should try to always lean, points being more important than value, in my opinion, in Dynasty. But if you're at all uncertain of your team, continuing to hold on to Michael Thomas or Keenan Allen or Mike Evans might be the wrong move, because while many of them still and consistently represents very decent bets for points in a given season. Just broad galaxy-braining it a little bit. And even though they should score points this year, we're probably seeing the end of that era of wide receivers continuing to be relevant inside the top 12 and and to move on from them, especially if we need to be a year early rather than a year late, whereas that's normally the reverse of how it's described, whereas running backs we sell a year we sell all running max all the time because we want to be early rather than late. But going into 2022, that seems to be reversed. And that holds up with these breakout trends. We've been hitting very hard and very well in that we've actually had more 7% of wide receivers breaking inside the top five inside the first three career years more often than we have over a 10-year cycle. Over the last three years, and in the top twelve we've seen them we've seen twelve percent more season produced top 12 wide receivers inside the first three career years than we typically see in that ten year cycle whereas running backs it's about on average actually we've been hitting relatively hard on older running backs hit inside top the inside the top four so again our typical and average inclination to lead toward lean towards young running backs should stand pat we should continue to following the same trends and yet those top 12 running backs so it balances out fairly well have been hitting a little too hard um inside the top in the side the first three career years and you can see how i just don't didn't feel like i was ready to do this episode yet like i'm still learning all this stuff to put inside of an actionable um piece of advice and it's this it's exactly what I tried to start this sentence off with. It's sell older wide receivers. For the first time, I really feel like if you're at all uncertain and finishing in the top three or four in your fantasy league, it's probably better to be out a year early than a year late on older wide receivers, whereas running backs, pretty much the ones you seem broken out, are the ones you should heavily target. And an older running backs probably still have a year or two left in the tank on average. Um, more than we typically expect based on their career year breakout arc, the ones that are relevant inside the top 12 right now. Um, So outside of what happens in any given random season, that's what's happening lately. The young wide receivers who are breaking out right now are probably more likely to be relevant over the next few years, whereas the older wide receivers are probably ending their fantasy career arc at least. So what about those 40% of players that break out inside the top 12 running back or wide receiver in any given random season? Well, there are some interesting things that I think we've mentioned before, but it's worth mentioning. Like, I've been searching for common breakouts, breakouts we should probably expect for patrons for the last few years. And I think we've been hitting fairly well with a few simple filters. Wide receivers drafted um, inside the last three years, so they're inside the first three career years, that have been efficient. So have plus fantasy points over expected per game in their previous season um, and have at least one top 36 season. Those guys have actually created a list of around three to four players. It's not an exponentially large list, which is one of the problems I'm running into trying to expand this process. But it creates a relatively simple list that uh, the majority of players who make that list year over year should do better than they have done previously, and that's how we found Debo Samuel, honestly, last year, uh, and a few others. But I wanted to expand it because, especially given the breakout rager research I've been doing, break un- what I would typically describe as unusual breakouts, breakouts that happen after the third career year, is at- are actually more likely for 2022 the most random NFL seasons because we've been hitting so hard on younger wide receiver breakouts as the new class emerges to be, hopefully, the 2021 class is going to be one of those classes that carry us on for the next 10 years or so, and the classes around them too. Um, the older breakouts have actually been relatively rare, to the point that um, last year, we didn't see a running back break inside the top five or the top 12 outside their third career year, for the first time since uh, 2012. Like, that has happened every year since 2012. Since, uh, Since 2012 was the last year it didn't happen. So, ultimately, we're hitting or we're seeing fewer breakouts last year, and that should regress this year. So I'm kind of feeling like 2022, especially given our broader research on what to expect with 2022, should bring about what I would typically term more unusual breakouts. So I wanted to expand the breakout process to try to give some value of breakout potential for those players who are outside that career arc. Now, we followed a similar process for running back and wide receiver, and running back, tight end, and quarterback. But that also led me to some other research. Simple filters that we can apply without trying to galaxy brain it too hard. Like um reading Twitter right now about some potential breakouts. Like even a, as a data nerd, I feel like some of it is getting a little silly. Debating whether 50 or 90 targets is the difference or 1.6 yards per reception versus 1.9. I really think we're navel gazing when we get into some of these conversations. And so I wanted to... Still pay adherence, still pay attention to how well players are performing, but without essentially falling into debates that get forgotten because they don't produce much. And also, it just seem like silly debates to have on Twitter. And so... What I ended up doing was a a lot of different things to my breakout table. But one of the things I found was that receiving positions like wide receiver and tight end are incredibly susceptible to players who outperform certain production metrics. So, for example, if you just look on a points per game basis, which remains, even if you're just looking at breakouts, it remains the stat that has the highest R squared to the following year points, for example. Um, Although I've been told I need to try out logistical regression on that, but still. Um, At wide receiver and tight end, by year two, let me get this right. Yeah, by year three, sorry, at wide receiver, players who break out inside the top 12, 50%, actually 52% of them, have surpassed the points per game threshold for the average breakout inside the top 12. And for tight end, that happens at year two. So by year two and by year three a wide receiver, players should have averaged, if they're playing more than eight games in an individual season, above the average points per game threshold of breakout wide receivers and tight ends. Now that might seem obvious, but the majority of breakout groups don't always do that. For example, at running back, we don't get a 50% group when looking at individual performance or average up to the current year. So to put that in realistic terms, the average top 12 breakout at running back inside their first, let's say, all the way up until year five, let's include Derek Henry, averages around 10 points per game up to the year before they break out. But only 20% of breakouts on average between year two and year five actually hit that 10 points per game average before they break out. So less than 20% of running backs that break out inside the top 12 have averaged 10 points per game if they've played more than eight games in any of those individual seasons before they break out. So ultimately, saying like Javante Williams averaged over 10 points per game last year doesn't mean, well, I'm going to use a curse word just in case he got kids in the car, I guess. It doesn't mean shit. I mean, obviously Javante Williams is a fairly good breakout candidate, because he's a running back, Averaging over certain performance metrics, whether it's points per game or yards per team pass attempt or what else did I look at? Expected point percentage, positional expected point percentage, even my own sophomore model literally doesn't mean anything because previous performance at running back all the way up until career year five, it just represents 20% of the hits that have ever happened. Like that's not good enough if you're going to say someone is more or less likely to break out into... to be one of those 40 percent of players that break out in a year-by-year basis <coughs> inside the top 12 and that does not get better if you break it down into the top 24 which is good because at running back you don't we don't ultimately care about the top 24 running backs at wide receiver it matters a little bit but also the trends just get weaker the lower production threshold you're trying to hit and so actually i found some use at limiting into looking at top 12 breakouts but I'm getting into the weeds again here. So how can we use this? Wide receivers who have not hit previous thresholds are somewhat less likely to break out. Whether it's points per game or yards per team pass attempt or yards per route run or target share or whatever you want to mention. Then running backs and quarterbacks. Those two positions don't ultimately have to hit certain average points per game or target share or passing attempt share. Um, before they break out. Those are not the relevant hit groups at running back and tight end, running back and quarterback, but they are the relevant hit groups at wide receiver and tight end, so the receiving positions, the primary receiving positions, ultimately. All right, what else can I tell you? Um, It remains true at running back... um, When you're looking at top 36 seasons, remember I was talking about how at wide receiver we've been filtering for, you know, players in the first three career years with at least one top 36 season. That also is not a useful filter for running backs going into any particular career year, whether they finish inside the top 36 or not, ultimately doesn't get above really a 30% of the breakouts that occur. And so, even that doesn't matter. A player that hasn't finished inside the top thirty-six doesn't really matter. Running back, and running back is actually fairly persistently resistant to simple filters. To in order to make you more relevant, uh, more likely to believe in them as breakouts. So ultimately, you're actually left with draft capital and your evaluation of how relevant they are in the receiving game and how much you can expect them to expand their uh, their role in the offense. Which, if we go back to our understanding of how players break out, uh, which we've talked about ad nauseum on this podcast and everywhere else I do content, running backs and wide receivers both tend to break out at level. Now, that's a weird-ass phrase and that I should probably find a better way of saying it, because there is there is a plus and minus around it. For example, um, Antonio Gibson, one of the reasons I was saying he was less likely to be a top 12 running back this year in 2021 than some were expecting was because we saw him get the job in his first career year and it was somewhat less than a full top 12 running back workload on a per game basis. Now he actually did break into the top 12, but in a somewhat muted fashion, I feel the hype on him is ultimately cooled. And I think I can count that as a win. Now, at wide receiver, a similar pattern is true in that outside of initial career breakouts, players tend to break out into the top 12 or they are not going to break out into the top 12. There is a pattern of players increasing in their production levels from year one to three. And after that point, you're looking at players, if they're going to break out into those higher thresholds, probably haven't had top 24 seasons before and break out straight from top 36 to top 12 top five or top 12 seasons ultimately players don't work or ease into roles as we I think commonly think like players have to develop into the league and but instead we should think about it more like we do at running back where players earn the overall job and the role on the offense and then they either excel into the top 12 or they don't in fact, top twelve breakouts have this market feature as I wrote up for the DLF breakout article where if you're gonna break into out into the top twelve in your second year, you're much more likely not to have had a top thirty six season before than to have had a top thirty six season before. But if you're just filtering common breakout seasons, because production matters and hitting previous breakout thresholds for wide receiver and the receiving positions in general works, that top 36 season actually, or just points per game threshold or whatever you want to look at it through, actually does have some effect in terms of filtering for a more likely hit group. Could I transfer that into some actionable information? Sure, why not? Here's one thing I'll tell you. Uh, I don't think... A lot of people arguing about C.D. Lamb right now have gone and looked. I don't, um because C.D. Lamb's 17% target share or lack of 20% target share isn't bad. In fact, players that break out into the top 5 or the top 12 in their third career year, the one C.D. Lamb is entering, actually average around 17% target share. Now, that average includes a lot of players who didn't have a lot of playing time, before they hit that third career year breakout. Chris Godwin is an example, as well as some older examples as well. But the majority who broke out with already having established an average target share of 20%, which is the mark that CeeDee Lamb hasn't hit, which is why he won't break out for some people this year, most of those careers happened earlier. And I'm pretty sure, I haven't actually been able to filter for this, but looking back, the team history tends to show that they're Their competition was averaging less target share than target shares of breakouts that have uh, lower target share averages. In other words, CD Lamb has a 70% target share and seven targets per game, by the way. Not all target share is created equally. With Amari Cooper and Michael Gallup is a little bit different than, you know, Eric Decker, or Des Bryant, or T.Y. Hilton, or even Brandon Cooks, or even Percy Harvin, who were competing for a target share in an offense that didn't have a lot of dominant target share players. It is actually a little different, but don't even have to argue it, because the average actually is in C.D. Lamb's favor, as it is in terms of um, his points per game. Average top 12 or top 5 breakouts in their third career year, average... 11.2 points per game, the most predictive of stats for following year stats. C.D. Lamb is averaging 13.7. He's actually done better than most players that break out inside the third career year inside to a wide receiver one season inside the top 12 or the top five. He's actually averaging more expected points per game percentage and more expected points per game, 11.9 to 10.1. He's averaging more efficiency, 1.8... W- 83 or whatever fantasy points over expected per game than the average breakout which who were averaging 1.7 1.17 fantasy points over expected per game is averaging a larger expected points performance in terms of how effective he is at turning his expected points into actual points per game. He's actually outperformed the majority of breakouts and has a similar role to the average who break out inside the top 12. I can find nothing reasonable outside of bad arguments on Twitter about target share not hitting 20% yet to suggest that C.D. Lamb isn't the most likely wide receiver breakout this season at any level, let alone inside the top 12 or the top 5. Now, this is already priced in both to his ADP and his trade costs, so there's not much of a dynasty takeaway here. Outside of, if you're feeling shaky about having C.D. Lamb on your team, I'm much more confident after having gone back and looked at breakouts inside the third year. It's also worth noting, obviously the basic breakout trend research uh, was necessary for trying to get a little bit deeper on it. And the third year is the most likely year for wide receivers to break break out inside the top 12 or the top 5 for the first time. As I was saying earlier, there is a progression of ceiling in terms of when breakouts happen, in that the most likely top twenty-four season breakout year for a wide receiver is their, in fact, their second year. And we've talked about that before. It, it, the third year being overrated in terms of a breakout potential, mainly because they have to have some level of production as a receiving position before they break out into a higher threshold. And the third, the second year is actually the most common breakout we see of any position. Um, at any level the second year wide receiver breaking inside the top 24 is the most common breakout that we see but a wide receiver breaking inside breaking out inside the top 12 or top five the most common year by far is significantly in their third year so not only is cd lamb entering the most common top 12 breakout year he's doing it with either above average and um, opportunity and a, certainly above average performance on that opportunity compared to most who broke out now again cd lamb could not happen there is no such thing as safety but i think most of the reasons that i've heard at least about cd lamb not uh breaking out next year or having high wide receiver one season is poppycock what i'm much more concerned about is that Amari Cooper not being on the team means the team is less effective and the team might see a regression in overall production and ability to move the ball down the field. But CeeDee Lamb himself has not only performed very, very well on the opportunities earned, he's actually earned an above average level of opportunity, especially given his situation, and outperformed it, I would say. when we should expect him to break out as a wide receiver one in 2022. As, in fact, the ADP suggests most people are well aware of, and I think most people are navel-gazing and hoping maybe that variance hits and he doesn't break out and they can say they predicted it, but most reasonable signal would suggest that he should. The only breakout I can find that's more likely to happen in 2022 is Kyle Pitts breaking out inside the top five. Now, again, that's baked into ADP. No one is unaware that Kyle Pitts should break out inside the top five just by literally catching a second touchdown, that would probably do it. And perhaps underrated, especially when you're looking at basic filters, Pat Ferremuth is just as likely, based on the metrics and the simple filters I just applied, to break out inside the top five for the first time next year. And I think that's relatively interesting. Now, obviously, there's a drastic difference in price there. And I think Pat Faramuth is still ranked inside the top 12 dynasty tight ends because we do know to adjust for age. But the second year for tight end is actually a very important breakout year. And there is, as we talked about before, a, uh, a stabilization of breakouts at tight end after the second year, that big breakout year for players breaking outside, uh, breaking into the top five for the first time happens in the second year most often, especially inside the top 12. But then there's a stability um, in their third, fourth, and fifth year that just doesn't exist at wide receiver. We just see this, this slow trickle of tight end breakouts after that second career year instead of the drastic drop after the third year of wide receiver. Okay, I realize I'm getting the time now, and as I feared, a lot of this is regurgitating stats. I'm pretty sure you fast-forwarded it, but hopefully some of those notes were of interest to you, and some of the names I mentioned, like C.D. Lamb, Pat Firmuth, very like four seconds ago, um, stick out to you. So I just want to run down some other breakout potentials in 2022 that, I don't know, in my small bubble are either not mentioned or somewhat under-mentioned, and I think there might be value in me mentioning that to you in your Dynasty League if you happen to be looking for that kind of player. Brandon Ayuk, I don't know why everyone hates him now, when last year I was the one hating him. But he has a really strong breakout potential going into 2022. In fact, I rate him inside the top six in terms of breaking out into the top 12. And remember, we see about six, five to six of those breakouts every year. And so the top six measure as the most likely to be that group of players who have their first top 12 season next year. And I don't doubt Debo Samuel, who, again, that's why I didn't like Brandon Ayuk so much last year, um, is going to do what he does. But I definitely think Brandon Ayuk can see a more sustained performance in 2022 based on the breakout trends that we've been looking at. He's had two top 36 seasons. I don't even have to make that crappy points-per-game argument down the stretch that some people would or might make for Brandon Ayuk. Just that he's been consistently productive through his first three years. He's averaging 12.7 points per game when the average breakout averages 11 points per game. And remember, 50% of breakouts actually average over that average points-per-game breakout. And Brandon Ayuk is in that category, along with T. Higgins who is getting a lot more hype about his potential and doesn't have to just jump Debo Samuel and George Kittle, but has to jump Jamar Chase. Um, So, comparable and yet a distinct difference in our expectation of their likelihood of breaking out. When honestly, given their team situation, I think Brandon Huk has as much chance of co-opting a large enough share of the San Francisco offense as T. Higgins does the Cincinnati offense. Given their career year and previous production brandon oak is not necessarily any less likely to do it read the situations as you may but, uh, but i really do think brandon oak has that potential this year and comes at a significant discount and um, the reason I started expanding all of this was to really get ready to argue with Jacob Rickrow because he has to come on the podcast, and so I know what that means. He wants to argue that quarterbacks make wide receivers, and this year I think it's Alan Lazard. So I was digging hard into... I mean, Alan Lazard's a fifth-year undrafted free agent. You don't think I want to make that bet? And right now, his ADP, both in Dynasty and in Best Ball, is great. In fact, all Aaron Rodgers'... Aaron Rodgers'... Don't know why I can't use that S. Aaron's receivers are actually being drafted at significant value right now, from Robert Tonyan all the way up to Alan Lazard, um, and even Romeo Dubs uh, from the draft this year, who, honestly, despite being a later production in college, which tends not to be what I target with my rookie profiles, as you know, um, had decent. Receiving yards per team pass attempt in his last two years at an advanced age, and apparently an NFL team is taking a swipe on him, so there is some level of potential for opportunity there. And I don't hate it. I also don't hate Sammy Watkins having had a top twenty-four season before; could well do it again. And um, but it is important to note, and this is where I've come down on the Alan our break uh, or um, breakdown. Although, again, I think I am going to get into this heavily with Jacob, so I don't want to spew too much of it on you right now is that um, I think all of them do f- some of the work and Rodgers can still be a top five, maybe a top 12 quarterback because I think there's some potential for that offense to regress a little bit and him still be Aaron Rodgers um, and none of these guys end up being definitely not Jordy Nelson uh, and probably not Randall Cobb, but I definitely think there's an uh, like a 2015 discount Randall Cobb season on this roster potentially, and since they're all being drafted outside the top 30 in best ball, and mostly in Dynasty, even in Dynasty Christian Watson's off-season bad news, or, you know, the encouraging words of, he's a pick for the future, which does not sound good to a Dynasty player, and shouldn't, um has had his ADP dropping a little bit, so if you were looking for points upside, I think all of them actually, all the Green Bay wide receivers actually make for interesting targets. I'm most interested in Robert Tonyan, just because I know Aaron Rodgers throws touchdowns, and that's one thing we know Tonyan can do. Um, and Aaron Jones, honestly. Um, but anyway, um. In doing that, I ended up finding a few deeper drafted prospects that I remember liking, their college profiles as it was, that I think are relatively interesting and have had almost no mention. Marcus Callaway had a 600-and-something receiving yard season last year, now the team drafted Chris Alave. We're talking about New Orleans, just in case you don't know where Marcus Callaway plays, because you hate undrafted free agents. That would be the only reason. Um, Michael Thomas may or may not return at this point, especially given the age arc. I was talking about 2000, his era of wide receivers looking unlikely. Um, and they actually signed Jarvis Landry. So there's a lot of potential, and Alvin Kamara, obviously, on that roster that should continue to produce. But Marcus Callaway had a 600-plus yards receiving season last year. He's going into his third career year, so inside the common breakout threshold, was efficient last year and and above the points-per-game threshold of previous year production. He's an undrafted free agent who's getting almost no notice. He's drafted in the 19th or 20th round, if drafted at all, in best ball leagues. And I sent out a few quick trades in Dynasty and basically got them snapped up. And almost no one ever snaps my trade offers. So I know he's almost no Dynasty value. Again, the situation is bad, unlike Alan Lazard. But I think there are comparable, though, different breakout potential filters that suggest Marcus Calloway has done enough that we should probably be aware that there is some level of expectation or some ability for players in his career year with his pattern of production to actually break out the following year, even if it's just inside the top 24. And so I think Marcus Calloway is kind of a discount, especially in ADP version of Alan Lazard this year. And I'm actually much more interested in, him because I'd rather believe a player can earn opportunity and perform on it than be gifted opportunity and, you know, whatever production is that falls out of that. Um the other one, and it's slightly uh, a worse version of it, to be honest with you, um, is uh, Josh Palmer. Uh, I've mentioned him before, especially with, I guess, my now new concern that Keenan Keenan Allen's going to finish top 12 again this year, but it's worth mentioning. And Josh Palmer is entering, again, I think it's his third career year. He hasn't had a 600-yard season, but he had a 400-yard season. Um, And there is some decent potential for him to break out this year, just based on his career year and his previous pattern of production and the hit rate patterns of wide receivers. For example, top 12 breakouts. And again, he's probably much more likely a top 24 breakout. But... Going into his third season, 22% of all top 12 breakouts happen um, in year three. 48% of players who break outside inside the top 24 have not yet had a top 36 season. That fits Palmer and a whole bunch of others. But he was also fairly efficient last year with a 0.39 fantasy points over expected. Well, not fairly efficient. He was above um, zero. So he was technically efficient. Um, and... And given um a tendency to see very common breakouts recently. I think that f I think he was drafted in the fourth round. No, he's drafted in the third round, um and going into his second career year. Sorry, I'm completely off on Josh Palmer. Um uh, I think he has some level of uh potential for breakout. And again, we're talking about very, very cheap potential. Um and he stood out to me just while looking at the Los Angeles Chargers death chart. I'm trying to wonder why Mike Evans Mike Williams, sorry, is being drafted so dang high, especially in redraft leagues. He's probably the better bet. But in Dynasty, where you're taking cheaper roster spots and you might be stuffing some depth in wide receiver, I think Palmer is a decent add in trades. um, Just because he's going into his second career year after having 400 yards. Um, And, you know, at this point in their career, only 48%... um, Uh, or 52% of wide receivers already had a top 36 season. I was talking about that as a positive note earlier, but that also means it's basically 50-50. And and so a player who outperforms expectation um, as a third round pick in his first year could be of some interest. And I remember liking his rookie profile. That's really what it comes down to. As a final note, I'm really doing this section to make or the pain of the earlier episode go e- more down more easily. Um, running back position is actually hard to create uh, what I feel like is a fairly good ranking um, because of that lack of production before breakout that happens at running back. But Travis Etienne looks, to me, eyeballing it uh, within the tiers and to be the most likely top 12 breakout at the running back position this year. I think his ADP already sustained a bump, to be honest with you. Um, but similarly, Ramondre Stevenson, especially since we can't really use production to judge it fairly, fairly accurately, fairly accurately. Yeah, that one um, is entering his second year as well without a top thirty-six season yet on his record. He's currently averaging nine point seven points per game, which is below the average running back. But again, that doesn't really matter because only twenty percent of running backs who break out are above that average um, uh, at the running back position. And he's a decent depth at, along with Kyle Herbert, um, inside a similar tier as well. Now, Cam Akers and DeAndre Swift, who are much further up the draft board for obvious reasons, actually represent decently... Uh, A very decent potential for breakout this year and are much more likely to enter into the top 12 than Ramondre Stevenson. But a player that I find more interesting is actually Clyde Edwards-Hilaire because that third-year breakout for running backs is actually somewhat underrated. I mentioned earlier that the most common breakout ever in any given season is a wide receiver breaking out inside the top 24 for the first time. But the second most common is a running back breaking outside breaking into the top 12 or top 24 in their second or third year. They're actually virtually neck and neck, so I'm just going to count them as the same thing. And so Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, and he's had a top 24 and a top 36 season, which at running back doesn't matter so much. And the fact he's averaging 12.8 points per game doesn't matter so much. What does matter is he's on the Chiefs. He's somewhat discounted because of a disappointing uh, season last year considering how hard we drafted him, which does not necessarily affect his ability to perform on the opportunity to get some one of the best offenses, offenses in the league. And um, and this is a really common breakout year, even if he's looking like a less potential uh, breakout himself. And so I still think there's some more juice in the squeeze. We can just lose a little bit more before we finally give up on Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, or don't. But I think he stands out to me just based on the career gear he's in, Um, and the fact there's a significant discount right now when he's still kind of mid-career arc in terms of producing those higher expectations. We tend to give up on running backs early, um, as we should give up on players early, but Clyde Edwards-Hilaire has kind of been performing, but it's been disappointing to our expectations more than it's been disappointing to what running backs typically do. Um, he's actually been slightly over average compared to what running backs typically do. It just hasn't hit what we were hoping for. And so I think there might be some hope left in the can on my end. Um, anyway, again, I really have to get my arms around this and finish writing up my breakout article but hopefully some of that is interesting i'm also tooling up for what i think is going to be a really interesting conversation with jacob later on and so stay tuned for that please don't leave me i know this was a lot of stats thrown at you all at once well not really a lot of stats a lot of talk about a few very few stats um but let me know what you thought of it i really appreciate it and i will definitely talk to you before a week's out that w- that shouldn't happen again right yeah won't happen again talk to you again uh really really soon thanks bye
1: yeah chicken Chick a crow, crow. chicken a crow crossing the road go clicking a poll twitter is gold play run phone so jake on the table and nate on the place So Pete more the place they're analytical Picking my nose, don't really know if I like that. Picking the brains, got different lanes, but I like that. Picking these guys all of these times, all of these nice stats. Picking apart, the film is an art, always a fight back and forth. There is no order, they disorder more and more because the players ain't no older. They some hoarders or some mortars, dropping bombs without no borders. Dick got that eye like mortar, peak grinding numbers like molars. I don't know anymore. I am at a crossroads. Chicken a crow, chicken a crow, crossing the road, go. Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, player unfolds so. Jake on the table and they on the a place though. Peter Numa, it's the place they're analytical. Chicken a crow, chicken a crow, crossing the road, go. Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, player unfolds. So Jake on the table and they on the a place though. He did it's the place they're analytical.